Hey there, welcome to Postscript. My name is Dave Severns. I am the worship pastor here at Compass Point Bible Church, and with me today is Mr. Chris Heiss. How are you doing, Chris? Doing great, Dave. Yeah, thanks. And Chris, what do you do at Compass Point? I am the pastor of Family Ministries at Compass Point. Yeah, and we have the privilege of hearing from you time to time from the pulpit. Every once in a while. Which is wonderful. Um, I actually wasn't in the service yesterday because I was in Edmonton, but you and I have had a chance to sit down and talk a little bit. I've read through your sermon heard about it from a number of people. Um, So we're going to have a little conversation today. Sounds great. Uh, We continued our series called Made for Mondays, and we're talking about work still. Can you give us a brief recap from Sunday? Yeah, sure. Uh, You know, on Sunday, we're continuing this idea of talking about uh, the biblical idea of our work and what God kind of intended for our work. And so uh, looking at problems around work and this time talking about how we uh, so often try to work Uh, to gain personal satisfaction through our achievements and how maybe there's a better way. Awesome. Awesome. Well, let's dig right in. Uh, One of the things you talked about on Sunday was anxiety and the anxiety that work can produce. Um, Can you unpack that a little bit more for me? What What does that look like? How should we as Christians respond if we're seeing that in our lives? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think a lot of us probably know what it's like to feel anxiety around our work. You know, maybe we're trying to impress our boss. Uh, maybe we have deadlines coming up. Maybe we're a student and we're trying to you know, hit certain grade point average at school or something mm. like that, get into a great college or university. And so a lot of what we do in our work uh, creates anxiety. Um, and really, we, what we talked about on Sunday was that uh, that's a result in a big way of a cultural shift that has happened over uh, many, many years. Uh, you know, that a long time ago in more ancient cultures, people used to work for uh, the honor of their family or for the role that they played in their community. And so there was this idea that we work to live. You know, if I'm a butcher, then I'm supplying meat to the neighborhood that I live in or, you know, a police officer that I'm caring for that neighborhood. And so things were, you know, smaller, I guess, if you want to use that word. Whereas now, um, you know, so much of our work is about um, uh, not fulfilling a role in our community or a sense of honor, but it is about personal achievement. It's Mm -hmm. about significance. It's about finding identity because we've been taught by our culture that it's what I do that really matters and what I achieve that makes a difference. Uh, And so that creates a lot of anxiety. It does for me, even as a pastor, and I think people in other positions of other careers, whether it's paid for or not paid for work. Um, And so we tend to, you know, lean into this idea of work as a way to uh, deal with this anxiety and um, Mm. try to uh, overcompensate, I guess, uh, in the work that we do. Okay. Yeah. And, and this, this fear and this desire to, to stand out and to look amazing. Um, yeah. I'm, so I'm just reflecting on my own weekend. I was actually out in Edmonton for an award show, was nominated for an award. And it's funny, some of these things that we do now, um, that, that we were trying to celebrate people, which I think is a good thing. Yeah. Um, and, and it's always good to celebrate even workplaces that kind of recognize a certain employee every month. And yet there's this fear that you're never going to be enough. Yeah, because if my personal significance is grounded in the work that I do, then I have to constantly achieve something more than the next guy. Hmm. You know, I've got to be better than that coworker. I've got to be better than that other parent or that other person in the community that's doing good work. Or else, what do I matter? You know, yeah. what, where's my significance come from? Yeah. Okay. And you talked kind of the other side of that anxiety, or one of the outcomes of that anxiety is something that's been studied lately called FNBA. Yeah, FNBA. So FNBA stands for the fear of not being amazing. Yeah. Um, And so this is kind of the the, the shadow side of of what we've been talking about. I mean, you know, what we were referencing earlier was this idea that we overwork. 
we tend to really push ourselves into work as a way to achieve a lot because we're worried that if we don't achieve a lot, then people won't see us as valuable. The FNBA is kind of the, the other side of that coin. It's the idea that, you know, because my identity and significance is so grounded in what I do, uh, that I'm so afraid of failing and then, you know, losing that recognition, losing that significance, that it would be easier not to try. Um, and so we see this, I think, in adults, but especially right now, uh, we're seeing it in our, our young adults and hmm. kind of our teenagers um, who are uh, kind of living in this world where uh, they're so concerned about not meeting their own expectations or the expectations of others that sometimes they might um, pull out of a task when it's partway through because they don't see that task finishing well. Hmm. Uh, they may not complete a job if they have a sense that they don't have the courage or the guts to kind of, you know, finish that job well um, because they're just so, uh, so scared of hmm. uh, not meeting those expectations and not being amazing. Okay. Um, so obviously those things, the anxiety, which kind of leads into this fear of not being amazing, those aren't great. Those are not kind of what we're shooting for yeah. in our work. Um, how do we respond in those harder moments? Like if I'm, Let's say I'm, I'm in the middle of a task, a work-related task, and I can kind of see that it's not going to end well. Um, how do we as Christians respond to this? I mean, even failure, just kind of what does that look like for us? Yeah, sure. Well, I think most of the work, if I was honest, kind of starts before that point. And uh, maybe that's true with a lot of things. Okay. But it's kind of in reframing our understanding of what, what work is really about. And that's really been what this whole series has been driving us toward. Yeah. But this idea that, you know, we don't do work, paid or unpaid work, for our personal significance. Hmm. Um, we don't do work so that we can feel better about ourselves and meet some kind of deep-seated need that maybe I'm not good enough. Those things are real. We yep. all experience them. Um, I mean, there's sin and brokenness in the world that means that that's still going to be something we fight against. Mm. But the bottom line is that I have to kind of reorient the way that I look at work as being an outpouring of my identity, of who God created me to be, rather than the way that I get my identity. Mm. Um, and so, uh, you know, if we can begin in that place, we begin to see work as more of a place for me to use the creative tools that God's given me, for me to care for creation, for me to, you know, add value and life to the people around me. And so therefore it's not this um, really a more selfish task of trying to gain significance for me. Yeah. Um, and so I think that does start kind of on more of that philosophical level. Yeah. Uh, practically, I think one of the things that we can do is try to set aside time to reevaluate that in our lives. And so hmm. uh, maybe that's a weekly habit or a monthly habit or a yearly habit that we might have. Uh, maybe it's a special anniversary of our job or, you know, some significant thing in our life where we yep. take a step back and we think, OK, you know, how is this really working? You know, am I working to meet some need that I have to fight against some anxiety that I have? Or am I really working out of my identity in Christ and who he's designed me to be and how God's created the world to function? Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Um, I also love, I mean, I've, I've read a bit lately on this idea of failure and how important failure is in shaping us and, and kind of, yeah, if we move our identity from coming from our work to to being something that we put into our work because of what God's given to us, it actually opens us up to fail well. Yeah, that's a, actually a big issue because if our identity is grounded in our work and our success at our work, mm -hmm. uh, then that leaves us open to all kinds of dangerous pitfalls. Uh, you know, Keller, I mentioned this in the message on Sunday, but he says, you know, success at work goes to our head and failure at work goes to our heart. 
Um, and so either way, we kind of get ourselves into trouble. You know, if we put too much stock in our success, uh, he actually talks about, you know, this, uh, this consequence that takes place where if we, you know, do an excellent business deal and we really have a, a great success or something like that, uh, then we actually start to allow that confidence that's false to, uh, to sneak into our lives in other areas. We mm. actually begin to feel that we're really smarter than we really are and that we you know, know more than we really do. And we take some of that, that feeling of success that's gone to our head um, and we start to, maybe it's the next business deal or maybe it's a relationship or mm. you know, something else in our life. And we're like, hey, I got this because I have that measure of success and I've allowed that to kind of feed my, um, I don't know, my understanding of myself. And then on the flip side, you know, like if we fail and that goes to our heart, then we're just devastated. We're mm. devastated with our failings. And yep. it's really difficult for us to move on and to continue to function in that role. Um, and so I think either way, if our identity is grounded in our work, then success and failure can both lead to problems. Okay. Uh, interesting. I've heard that same thing as related to parenting. Mm. Um, we often take more of the failure of our children as kind of our responsibility and we often take more of the credit for their successes too. Is there a comparison there? Yeah, How's it I think How's there it is. I wrestled with that a bit this week, you know, and throughout this series, we've kind of wrestled with this idea of, you know, what are we really talking about when we talk about work? Yep. Uh, and one of the things that I'm convinced of at this point anyway, is that that work could be our parenting, you know, mm. that, you know, we can take a lot of our identity from our children, how they act, you know, whether we're doing the right things or whether we're following the right advice or, you know, whatever that might look at. So I think there is a comparison here for sure. We need to understand that God's designed us to be caregivers for our kids, to be spiritual influencers for our kids, to raise them uh, well. Um, and, uh, and so we need to take kind of the way we uh, function as parents out of that identity of who we are in Christ, as opposed to, you know, getting our identity from the successes and failures of parenting. Cause I know for me as a parent, it feels like there's often many more failures than there are successes. Mm -hmm. so, yep. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that is true. Um, that's great. Uh, okay. We, we've talked a little bit about, you know, we, we don't want to find our identity in work. Uh, and yet there's a lot of our society that's still kind of set up that way. We know this is one of the ways that we're probably going to be different from the world around us and that we, we find our identity in, in this relationship with Christ. So what would you say to, um, youth and young adults, uh, or, or people, parents and grandparents who are advising youth and young adults and trying to figure out what does it look like to have a meaningful career? Sure. Where, where do you, you know, how do you follow your passions or your desires? Um, what kind of education do you get? What kind of experience do you need? Yeah, it's a great question. I mean, I think one of the main things I would say about that is just that there is a tendency in our culture to, um, you know, kind of look for a job that specifically fulfills me. Um, and I think a lot of this goes back to this idea of identity. If my job doesn't make me feel really great about myself, then, um, you know, maybe it's not the right job for me. Hmm. Uh, one of the great things in reading, um, you know, the Every Good Endeavor book that we've been working through as well as kind of doing some other reading around this topic is that we have to understand that, um, you know, being good at something might take more than six months. Hmm. It might take more than six years. It might take more than 16 years. So I would say, you know, this, this applies to adults, but I think specifically for young people that are thinking long-term about their career, we live in a really fast-paced world with lots of changes. It's really common for people to have a variety of different careers over the course of their, their working days. Um, but speaking specifically about uh, career work, um, we need to recognize that, you know, it could take a long time for us to be really experts at the work that we do. And sometimes we need to look at a longer view of how we work because if we're trying to add value to life, yep. 
and we want to be uh, able to do that well, mm -hmm. then we want to be best equipped to be able to do that. And sometimes experience is the only thing that can help us. Okay. Uh, I mean, I've, I've heard it said, you know, people now kind of have the luxury to be able to choose what they want to do based on their own passions. And that's probably not the case for a lot of the world and probably hasn't been the case for most people in most of human history. Right. Um, are we are we in this like uniquely privileged place here in Burlington, Ontario? And is that a bad thing? Should we be should we be more carefully considering what does the world need as opposed to just what what do I want to do? Or is that part of what God's planted in us? Right. Well, I think it's a little bit of both. I mean, I think God plants in us a certain affinity for a certain kind of work, but we also have to, you know, look for uh, the opportunity to see that happen and make sure that we're recognizing the needs of what's happening in the world. I talked a little bit in the message on Sunday about um, uh, one of the McMaster professors um, mm -hmm. and, and he talks a lot about the need for innovation, not to just be a new thing. You know, not to just add more buckets of water to a sea of new inventions, but uh, the need for it to be something that ha makes waves and it, it makes positive change in the world. And so I think we need to consider that. The other thing for um, some of our students as well is just remembering that there's dignity in all kinds of work. You know, and so it doesn't matter if we do very complex work or very simple work, if we do uh, white collar work or blue collar work that part of God's design is for us to work and to, to do our jobs well. Mm -hmm. Again, unpaid or paid. Um, and so, uh, I mean, Keller jokes about, you know, if you're a Christian pilot, your job is to land the plane, hmm. you know? And so we don't always need to, you know, look for ways to try and make our work matter. We just need to do our work well. And I think God is pleased with that. Okay. And yeah, that's, that's really good. And I mean, we've, I asked the question about students, you answered it in relation to students, but I also recognize that this is a question that people ask throughout their entire career, mm -hmm. right? It's not just, it's not just when you're 20 that you ask these questions, but it's when you're 45 and when you're 55 and when you're retired, it's, you know, was it, was it meaningful? Is it meaningful? Should I be doing something different? So these are right. good things for us to wrestle with. Absolutely. It, yeah. I mean, balance, balance is important, but there, there are probably seasons where God calls us all to do things that are deeply aligned with our passions and, and kind of what we feel we're even good at and equipped at, and that can serve the world well. And, there may be seasons where we just need to do something hmm. that we're not good at um, and that we might not be equipped at yet to, to make it happen. Kind of, kind of leads me into the next question about, about family, about work and relationships. Um, you, you mentioned some of this coming out of Psalm 127 and kind of that work life balance, work family balance. Um, anything there you want to expand on or talk about how to, what does it look like to, to work well, but also care for our relationships really well. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I was uh, really shocked as I was kind of preparing for this message and looking at uh, some of the scripture passages that talk about our work. And uh, yeah, I did mention Psalm 127 and Ecclesiastes 4, two passages that talk a lot about, um, you, you know, the work that we do and specifically not being anxious about the work that we do, knowing mm -hmm. that God uh, provides for our needs and our job is to kind of fulfill um the design that he has created in us to work. But it's very, very fascinating. If you read both of those passages of scripture, that the first half is about our work, the second half is about our relationships. Hmm. And so it struck me that those things are really closely tied together. Uh, you know, uh, Psalm 127 talks about children and, you know, the benefits and, and uh, beauty of having a family and the responsibility of that family. And so it connects that in with our work. Um, and so it reminded me, you know, that there is something about the Christian um, that needs to keep in mind this idea of work and relationship and balance with one another. In Ecclesiastes chapter four, it talks about a man who, who worked 
uh, but because he worked so hard, he was out of relationship. You know, he didn't have anyone to be in relationship with. Hmm. Uh, and it, it, it uh, suggests that he was lonely and that, you know, he wasn't living a, a life that was fulfilled and godly. And so there's this idea that I think as Christians, we have this amazing opportunity to be able to model for the rest of the world what a work-life balance really should be like. Um, and I think sometimes that's hard when we're in the midst of our work. You know, and so you might hear stories if you go out and search for them of CEOs and CFOs that were uh, fired or resigned from their positions. And, and sometimes afterwards they'll say, wow, like I never would have had the courage to do that. But looking back, I realized I was way too heavily invested in my work. Hmm. And so that change in my life uh, actually made a big difference. And I was able to acknowledge that that mattered and I should have done it a long time ago. Okay. Yeah, that's, that's great. Um, one of the questions that a lot of of younger people are asking today is, is kind of how do you, how do you actually make that work in the GTA? How do you afford to live? How do you, you know, find something, even anything these days that, that lets you care deeply about your relationships and have, have free time and, and things that come with that, but also, you know, pay for an apartment or, or maybe even put a down payment on a house is it, it seems maybe it's always on the mind of people, but it seems, especially in our day, this is a question a lot of people are asking. Yeah, I mean, it's a, that's a big question. And I think the one of the things we have to acknowledge is that as Christians in our work, I think what we're suggesting in this series is that we would be countercultural. You know, there's a sense where, you know, finding that identity in our work, that being pushed for personal achievement, you know, maybe some of those things have to be reprioritized in order in order to live out the way that we're called to live. Now, am I saying for one second that it's bad to, to make good money or to have a nice place or any of that stuff? Absolutely not. That's not what I'm saying at all. But we do need to kind of rejig our priorities in such a way as to acknowledge uh, that the way that we work is really about, you know, filling the earth with, with culture and good things. It's not necessarily just with the priority of, you know, providing for, you know, the needs that I might have. So tough question though. I'm not sure, you know, what yeah. to say in terms of how we actually, once we make that kind of a change in our lives, what does that mean for the budget and affordable housing and, you know, some of the family things that you brought up? I mean, it's tough. It's a great conversation. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, so, it's, it's, uh, and Paul will probably answer all those questions in his sermon next week. Oh, for sure. Yeah. That's, we'll leave it all the hard stuff. To sure. Him. Um, and neither of us are economists, so that's right. We'll leave it to some of them too. Um, but it's good. Yeah. I mean, we have to, I mean, Christianity following Jesus touches all areas of our lives. It really does call us to these things and call us to think deeply about these things. Um, any other nuggets for us? Any other things that you kind of left out as you were prepping this week's sermon or, or things you want to say a little differently now that they've been out there for a couple of days? Uh, yeah, um, I think... I think I guess one of the things that uh, came up as I was reading was uh, a story from uh, Tim's book, which talks about um, a man who was an artist who was creating this picture of a tree. And so he spent, you know, hours and hours, just his entire life really trying to create this picture. And the more that he worked on it, um, the less he was able to actually complete. And all he ended up coming up with was this one picture of a leaf. Um, and yet the story goes on to say that, you know, he uh, died and he went to uh, heaven. And uh, when he got there, the entire picture of the tree was there complete and he was able to see it. And he was just absolutely mesmerized that, you know, this little bit of work that he did on earth became this, you know, enormous and beautiful picture in heaven. 
Um, and I think it just reminds us, you know, sometimes I think we get caught up in this idea that our work is this just never ending hamster wheel where we'd like to make an impact in the world. We'd like to do things the way that God has intended. We'd like to add life and value and culture to the world. But you know what? There's no point because I really can't make a dent in, you know, this issue or whatever that I'm trying to deal with through my product or service or whatever I might be doing, my, even my work with, with people. And I think this is a good reminder, you know, that we are called to be partners with God in the redeeming of the world, hmm. that it is not, you know, fully our own responsibility, you know, and that we don't do it in a vacuum as just individuals, you know, but we are working together with other people who are followers of Jesus to make those kind of changes with the spirit of God at work, knowing that God has a vision and a plan for what we're doing that maybe we can't fully see. Um, and so, you know, as God continues to, you know, do his work in redeeming the world and bringing it back to the way that he originally intended it to be, you know, our privilege is to partner with that, but recognize we might not always be able to see the final and full result. That's so good. Chris, thank you for uh, your time today. Thanks for sitting down. Uh, thanks to everyone who has listened along and we will talk to you next week on Post. Thanks for having me.